In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your host, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow! And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Lee Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for Godwin. Into his hands. And guess which dogs are barking first? Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. The cornballs get stolen. Welcome in. The my plan. I'm the better man. Crazy to the Fun and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Jake from. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake. Puntandpass.com, the number one destination for all things college football. A happy new year to you. We are recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. It's January 2nd, 2024. So hope everybody went out of 2023 in the right way and came into 2024 in spectacular fashion. Hope it was fun. Hope it was safe. Hope everybody is healthy and our national championship game of college football is set up. We're going to recap the Orange Bowl, Georgia hammers Florida State 63-3. to The Rose Bowl was an instant classic. Michigan takes down Alabama. And the Sugar Bowl stayed up late enough. Washington, the number two team in the nation, remains undefeated. They are headed to the national championship. So tons of college football over the holiday. Jake, you and I talked about it. That December 26th through December 31st date range, man. Uh, it's no man's land, but I, I bunkered down and I had a lot of fun and I ate a ton and I watched a bunch of football and it's it's all good, man. Happy 2024 to you. Yeah, happy 2024 to you as well. It even sounds a little bit uh, weird rolling off the tongue. Uh, man, where does the time go? It definitely flies by. But um, man, uh, like you said, had some really good college football games. It was fun to watch. Definitely got our money's worth. Um, actually have to kind of get back to the real world uh, yeah. here coming up, but uh, we do get a nice uh, national championship uh, college football game to finish it up. And uh, I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting, pretty fun to watch. Can't wait to chop it up and talk about it. No question about it. 2024, a big one for you. You will become a dad. The countdown is yeah. officially on for you. So uh, That's right. off season right around the corner. And then you got to get ready to become Jake Fromm. I'm sure you'll have some dad strength overnight when that happens. Oh, for sure. Can't wait for that to kick in. Uh, it's needed on the football field. So hopefully it uh, carries me through for the rest of my career. 
Well, you know what you have to do as soon as that happens. And of course, if I remember correctly, the due date is in March. Yep. You'll have to get your beautiful wife a push present. And where will mm. you go for that? You'll go to Solomon Brothers Solomon Jewelers. Brothers. Of course you will. Yes, Solomon Brothers Jewelers presents this amazing Punt and Pass podcast episode to all of you. Be sure to check out Solomon Brothers. They have three, three amazing locations for you to visit in the year 2024. Of course, there's one in Alpharetta just past the Avalon. There's the one in Buckhead that you know, 17th Little Tower Place, and a brand new one down in Peachtree City. Solomon Brothers is family-owned and operated since 1982. They have the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast, and the store is for anyone with any budget. It gets better. If you mention Punt and Pass or myself or Jake Fromm, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. See what they have going on on social media. They're at Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter, online at SolomonBrothers.com. Again, the lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds guaranteed. That's Solomon Brothers. Check them out. Appreciate Solomon Brothers. Jake, I know you'll be visiting them as soon as you get back. You got a couple of things to do with that push present. Believe me, it is very, very important. All right, let's go straight to the Orange Bowl. December 30th, it was Saturday afternoon. Georgia starts out the game, and it was over extremely fast. I think it was something that you and I had discussed, like which trajectory the game would go. Would it be an all-out stomping? Would there be a mutual show of respect, just kind of call off the dogs, 40 to 10, whatever you wanted to call it? I think the line closed at Jake. Dogs were 23-and-a-half-point favorites. This game opened at 13-and-a-half as soon as the Orange Bowl was set. Uh Then, of course, transfer portals, opt-outs, uh, Georgia had a bunch as well, but they had some key players that said they were going to play like notably Carson back. It closes at 23 and a half. They cover that going away 63 to three, making more than just one statement. Uh, a lot of ways to kind of recap this game, Jake, but the dogs were not messing around in Miami. No, no, not at all. Um, just quick tangent here while you're talking about, it. I wonder what uh, the largest line increase that's ever happened before. I mean, yeah, like that's, that's big. A, that that's 10 points. That's yeah. a lot of points to happen in such a, a short uh, time frame and span. So uh, that was crazy. The game was also crazy. Just complete domination. Um, reminded me of the, the, the Georgia team of old, uh, I would say old man. I'm calling myself old here, but <laughs> Just, I, I mean, just like kind of reminded me a little bit when, when I played of just, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to run the football on you. We're going to take our shots outside. We're going to hit our shots outside and we're just going to do what we're going to do. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Like they committed to the run. Um, I mean, Carson didn't have to throw the ball. I mean, like they had 372 rushing yards. They nearly rushed for 400 yards in this game. Like just That's out physical them. Just out wanted to. Um, it, you know, if we talk about it, bowl games to me, it's just a lot about motivation. What are you playing for? Uh, Georgia obviously had a lot on their mind, a lot on their hearts, and they had a lot of pissed off that they wanted to take out on somebody. Happened to be Florida State, um, and just sadly that they got the butt whooping that they got, um, and in the, and that they were in the situation that they were in with with guys leaving and uh, transfer portal and opt-outs, all that different stuff. I think you still, with all that being said, you still have to go out and put a good product out there. And as players that are playing, you still got to have some pride about yeah. what, you're, what you're putting on tape. Um, that was no good. That was no bueno. And you can say the committee got it right by leaving Florida State out, 
or you can say the committee got it wrong by leaving Georgia out. So um, take it how you want it. Uh, but, but I saw a really, really good football team beat the snot out of another good football team. Yeah, you know, it's just it's unfair to Florida State because obviously that was a skeleton crew of the team that went undefeated and won the ACC championship in 2023. I, I tweeted this out while watching the game, and you and I talked about it last week. I, I really did feel bad for Mike Norvell. I was a huge Florida State fan all season long, believed in their roster, believed in what they were doing, thought they had the team, the yeah. type of team to compete when it comes to a college football playoff. Nasty defense, good run game, and a quarterback, of course, before he got hurt, who really could be a significant X factor to take a game that maybe you should have lost and flip that into a W. Here's what happened. We all know it. Jordan Travis gets injured, then the room full of suits that is the college football playoff committee essentially ends their season on a technicality, which was a huge bummer. They said, hey, without Jordan Travis, even though they're ACC champs and undefeated, Florida State can't compete. They're not one of the best four teams in the country. But then this is also what I said right after tweeting that I felt bad for Mike Norvell. And this statement has zero bearing on Florida State. So, so don't even think about Florida State when you're listening to what I'm about to say. Georgia beat the Seminoles by 60 points, 63 to three. The college football playoff committee still has not addressed moving Georgia five spots back to number six after they lost the SEC championship game by three points on a neutral field. Again, what they did to Florida State has nothing to do with that statement. But what Georgia showed and what Kirby Smart obviously wanted to prove was that if the committee's going to say they were looking for the four best teams, well, then Georgia, by doing what they did on the field, I don't know if any team could have beat Florida State, even with the skeleton crew, by 60 points. And they really called the dogs off about midway through the yeah. third quarter. Georgia made a statement to say, hey, we were one of the four best teams. Hey, we do have a great culture. Hey, we have a lot of buy-in in Athens. We're coming to win this game. So I was at Publix picking up a couple of things. You know, shout out a Buffalo Chicken Tender Pub Sub. Those things mm. were dangerous. Picked up one of those before the game. So I throw on 750. Publix is five minutes from my house. It's right before kickoff. And Neil Hondo Williamson throws it down to DJ Shockley. Hey, he's with Coach Smart. And Kirby, you know, was given kind of his short, right before pregame kickoff speeches to dj and now this is getting picked up but he says and all the broadcast team was talking about pregame was there's nobody in the stadium they were like weather's kind of overcast there's nobody in the stadium there's a lot of florida state people they were essentially setting up a scene where it was like not a very conducive place to play a football game so dj shockley goes to kirby smart and says coach what do you feel about this game and i'm listening and he says yeah we don't care if there's nobody in this bitch we're here to play and win the game. And I was like, wow. He said that before the game. I go, okay, I think Georgia's going to be a pretty safe play in this game. They were on a mission. They accomplished that mission. And then after the game, Jake, Kirby extremely candid in his post-game press conference. He says college football needs to figure out what they want to do about bowl games. Because what happened here today is a direct referendum on the situation that we're in. 
He acknowledges that things are different and that it's okay for things to be different, but there needs to be leadership in college football to say, what do you want from bowl games? Because it was unfair to the guys on Florida State who did play the game for essentially every single one of their statistical leaders across the board not to play. They get left with a JV team out there and got their pants pulled down by George. Like what, what, what do they do? Like what, what are the answers is uh saw something, you know, is bowl week, week zero. I don't like everybody, that. Everybody's there. I don't like that either. Uh, I'm not, not a fan of that. Um, I, I saw something where it's like, Hey, you just, you move everything else back. Um, move, um, move, uh, uh, what I'm thinking recruiting, move over mm-hmm. the recruiting signing day, move all that stuff back. And after the national championship, Yeah, I like that. And then that way, and you kind of bump everything else back up. The the uh, championship weekend is played earlier. Bowl game happens sooner, and and then just everything starts to roll and flow a lot more quicker, a lot more to rival the the NFL playoffs, right? Like yeah. There, there, there's a bye week, and you get you get right back into it. You don't lose the swing of things. There's not this gigantic break in play. Um, kind of own the schedule that way too. Like you just start bumping back the calendar and college football. There's, there's a whole season dedicated to transfer portal. Now there's a whole season dedicated to that signing day, that December 20th signing day. It's so stupid. It, it doesn't make any sense. And it's unfair to the coaches. If you want to have sympathy or empathy for them, but Jake, I totally agree with you. What do you do now? Now, when I was playing, you know, many, many moons ago, we got to go to a sugar bowl. That was a huge celebration. Yeah. We got to go to an independence bowl. That wasn't as much of a celebration. We got to go to a Liberty bowl. Okay. And then my senior year, we went to the Outback bowl. That was fun. Bowl games used to be a big celebration. Um, it was a reward for winning six plus games. You got your gifts. You got your big travel stipend. You got a couple of nights off. It, it, it was a hat tip to a phenomenal season. How do you get that back? Because that is certainly gone. Do you, in the new age of NIL, create some sort of sponsorship dollar player pool where now you're incentivized to play the game because there is a paycheck waiting for you after the game? I I think that could certainly work. Could the sponsors come up with that money? I have no idea, but there has to be some sort of incentive in which, one, you make a bowl game, you're being rewarded. Two, you want to be there. I mean, money is, is the great motivator for most people. I think if you told each player, hey, if you play in the game, you get $2,500 cash or, or whatever the number is, couldn't be something nominal like a couple hundred bucks. It'd have to be probably four figures. I think a lot of people would be amped up to go. Hey, I want to play. I want that paycheck. And then also, if you did move back the signing day like you just alluded to, Jake, I think what bowl season becomes is is truly an exhibition for a lot of these guys, much like week 17 and 18 in the NFL is for potential free agents. Hey, man, I want to play. I want to put good tape out there. I want to up my value in the market. I want to attract other suitors to take me if I'm looking to go elsewhere. You could accomplish those things with the right setup, but but ultimately what sucks, Jake, is there's no leadership in college football. So these types of creative ideas don't even get brought to the table. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. I, I think the whole the the feeling and the feel good around bowl games are, are just just lost. Like I feel like my area was kind of a, a transition. Like it, it, we all felt pissed off. No, I mean, no offense of to the course. Super Bowl for being in the sugar bowl, like 
man, we were the first team out two years in a row and it sucked. No, nobody wanted to be there, especially the first year when we played Texas. We're like, man, this sucks. We shouldn't be here. And nobody took it serious and, and wanted to be there. Now we definitely learned from our mistakes the next year when we played Baylor in the sugar bowl, but it's, uh, yeah, the, the bowl games have lost their luster uh, a little bit. No question. And, and, and just the, I, I wonder if it's a, a culture thing and everything. So me, 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 because the, the whole, Hey man, let's go down there as a team, uh, hang out, enjoy this last week that we have together. It's, <clears throat> it's just gone. Right. Nobody, nobody has that anymore. Um, nobody's trying to enjoy that. It's, it's sadly, it's just about me, me, me. And, and how can I set myself up, um, for my future and, and move on from there. So something, something that's really special that, uh, just seems to get lost in the shuffle is man, like that locker room for that last game, it'll never be the same again. Yeah. When you look around, you know, coach says it, you know, remember high school coach saying it like, Hey, take a look around, like the guys and the men in this room, this is it. This is all we got. Um, play for these guys and squad and, and, and really just enjoy it. But you just, to me, you just, we've seen to have lost that kind of feeling and motivation for the game. It's such a cliche thing that every coach says, but it's so true. Oftentimes the biggest cliches are the most true uh, in every football locker room that I've been in. That exact same thing is said after the last game, take a look around. This is the last time that this group of men or people will be together uh, on the same team. So it's interesting where college football goes. Look, man, I have no idea. Um, thankfully, the college football playoff semifinal games were great in years past. It hasn't necessarily been that way. There have been some big blowouts, then it sets up kind of an anticlimactic national championship game. But kind of transitioning into what happened in the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl, recapping and finishing up our recap on the Orange Bowl, I would definitely say that that Georgia solidified, even though it was against a much lesser opponent, that they were one of the four best teams. And that's what made it tough for the committee to say we went with the four best teams when they put Florida State at five in front of Georgia. Well, well clearly that wasn't Florida State, the number five team that played. That was a different Florida State team. Yeah. Uh, but Georgia was like, uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. We had four weeks to get healthy. Uh, we have some serious ball players. We almost rushed for 400 yards. Kendall Milton got player of the game after playing for like 17 minutes, ran for over 102 touchdowns. They couldn't even tackle him. Carson Beck, highly efficient. Um, Georgia did what they did. They ended on a great note. They're Orange Bowl champions, and they are on to 2024. Okay, let's talk about the Rose Bowl because this game – Michigan versus Alabama was the one that a lot of people had their sights set on when New Year's Day came around. Number one, Michigan against number four, Alabama in Pasadena. And it closed Michigan, a two-point favorite. I was back and forth on this game. I think I even texted to you, Jake. I was like, I have no feel. I, I have no feel on this game. Uh, if I had to, I'd be a simpleton and take the points to Alabama. But this is what I did think. With the amount of time off, four weeks off for Alabama, one makes the argument, hey, Saban, with that much time to prepare, it's a no-brainer. I was trying to make the argument, Jalen Milrow was playing with such confidence and such momentum that four weeks off might hurt this guy and this Alabama offense that had been rolling. And Michigan's defense came to play, man. Four sacks in the first, like, 15 minutes of the game. Oh, yeah. That was insane. They stifled the run. Alabama really didn't have many answers for them. And then Michigan uh, has a great drive at the end of the game to force it to overtime. Of course, Michigan wins 27 to 20 in overtime. Uh, but I guess let's just start with 
what were your overall thoughts? It was a, a really, really good game. Yeah. Um, I, I loved what you said. Completely w- agree and, and definitely would have agreed in, in talking in a, in a past tense setting that you would have, we would have thought Saban would have come in with a much better plan. But I, after watching the first 30 minutes of the game, that was not true. No. Man, like Harbaugh and the offense, they did a fantastic job. Shifts, motions, tons of eye candy for the defense. Tons. Very, very creative in the run game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they got after the quarterback. So they they saw what Georgia did, and they said, ah. Got to get can't after do, him. We can't do that. So they just were bringing five-man hits, bringing five guys. Normally, you bring four. They were always bringing extra. And they collapsed the pocket and, and didn't allow a gap for Jalen Miller to, to sneak through and slip through. So he Jalen Miller felt uncomfortable the entire game. Uh, and I, I loved this analogy uh, that I think Kirk used in the game. But the Michigan defense played like the Ravens defense during that game. Like lots of chaos, lots of blitzing. And, you know, da-da, it's the Harbaugh brothers. Like, yeah, of course, you yeah, know, they're going to spitball some ideas back and forth. And, um, yeah, man, I just like, I, I thought the plan that uh, that Michigan came in with, they were more aggressive. And I also agree with what you said of having the time off for Jalen Milrow God, it looked like they were out of sync on offense. Kind of slowed them down, yeah. And could not. Uh, honestly, it, it, the passing game felt very tough for them. Uh, like just off off page with a bunch of receivers, um, and it was it was really kind of tough to watch them on offense in that in that first half. Other than that uh, that drive they had on the the plus side of the ball after a Michigan turnover. So, um, but the game ended up being a game of adjustments. Uh, that Kirk was also saying yep. uh, during the game, and, and Alabama came out in the second half, made some adjustments, started running the ball inside zones, all the blitzing guys and all the movement up front. Uh, they were able to crease those inside zone runs, but it's, I don't know, just the, the entire game, the Alabama's offense was just out of sync the entire game. And and but that was that's been the entire Alabama offense the entire season except yeah. for one game. That's right. One game when they played Georgia, the recency bias on that game. But other than that, we got the same Alabama product we've gotten the entire season. No, you're totally right. Um, and Michigan to start the game, you're like, what is going on? First play, yeah. McCarthy boneheaded decision. Uh, oh, you got saved, saved because uh, Caleb Downs's heel was out of bounds. You text me, how is that reviewable? And it was because the sideline judge threw his cap off, signifying, hey, he had stepped out of bounds. He was the first guy that touched the ball, so it negates the interception. Then. Alabama punts. I don't know what Michigan's return man was doing. I mean, he was trying to make a play. He runs up, tries to catch it, fumbles it. That's how Alabama gets their first touchdown. Michigan had dominated outside of a couple of boneheaded decisions, and they were only up by three at half. And I'm sitting there going, here we go. Here we go. Michigan should be up by 14 at least. Alabama's played like shit. They're still in the game. They're going to wait for Michigan to make a mistake late. Alabama will pounce. Alabama's going to win. That was my thought process in watching the entire second half. And then Alabama puts together a drive midway through the fourth quarter. They score a touchdown. They go up by seven points. And Michigan's offense, who hadn't done anything 
in the second half of the game kind of goes back to one running the football. Hey, establish the run. And then they start mixing in that eye candy. And the eye candy was really shown on a couple of plays where Blake Corum wide open kind of coming across the formation out of the backfield uh, in the shotgun. And when they were showing the replays, Jake, with that pre-snap movement and motion, you could see the linebackers communicating with each other. Hey, I got him. I'm passing off him. And he would just get lost. Communication was broken down. And Blake Corum was one of the best players in all of college football, just wide open for 40 yard gains. And you could see Nick Saban on the sideline. So frustrated talking to his defensive coaches going what's going on with the communication because the backers and the dbs they're clearly not on the same page michigan puts together an amazing drive they tie it up i didn't know if they were going to go for two or not late uh they did have three offensive time they, they had three timeouts so i thought you you just kick the field goal and see if you can get the ball back but um sending that game to overtime what were your thoughts i was sitting there going i don't know what's going to happen this is going to be a good one overtime i'm thinking wow uh I've seen this before. Yes, you have. Um, and uh, I'm like, well, Alabama's just going to find some magic somewhere. Of course. Of course. And, and figure out how to do it. Um, and they had a chance, uh, made a play on third down uh, to to get it within, you know, a, a decent try and range on a fourth down call. And uh, my wife, Caroline, she's like, hey, like, hey, what are you calling right here? I said, well, um, I'm going to put it in my best player's hands and I'm going to have some kind of zonish read with, with some kind of advantage throw off of it. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what they called. And there was answers within the play. Like you can disagree. Oh, it was a bad call, a bad play. Like the, the running back motioning out out of the backfield, like that was an advantage throw. He had, there was space on that guy. He could have thrown it out there. Um, and then the run itself wasn't a terrible run. Like, hey, the guard could have pulled a little bit tighter. And if we stay tight off his hip, it possibly looks like uh, he walks in. So, but as a quarterback, it is so hard to operate if you can't get a good snap. I know. When the, when the snap is constantly at your feet, at your knees, your eyes have to drop. And now I'm, I'm worried about catching a snap and rushing myself rather than, hey, if I get a good nice easy shotgun snap in my chest i can keep my eyes up see what's happening i got a better feel for what's happening but man this is i mean this is their what 14th game and we're still having snap issues i know what's up with that that is that's mental that's mental you can't have that show up in the yips not whatever it is is it's not good so um, but yeah, man, I, I think I, I think there was a, a play to be made on the last play, and they they didn't make it. And as a team like Alabama, you just can't keep putting yourselves in that situation and expect to be a hundred percent out. Like eventually, it's going to catch up, and and it did. And uh, Michigan held on just a tad bit longer. Yeah, so you're breaking down the fourth and three in overtime. Alabama needed a touchdown to uh, move the game forward into a second overtime. And remind me if I'm wrong, you may or may not remember, they were in shotgun. Running back was set to Milrose left. Did the running back go in motion before the snap, or did he just go out to the – okay, so he goes in motion before the snap, empty backfield. The snap is low at Milrose ankles, and he catches it, thankfully. And just immediately dives towards, dives towards, mm-hmm. I mean, runs towards yeah. the center of 
the feet, the center of the line. And, and it was just squashed. The, the whole play was done. That's why I was like, Oh my God, what just happened now when you rewind it and you see what they were trying to do, the two outside receivers on the left side of the formation are blocking downfield. Uh, the running back who was in motion has outside leverage on the linebacker. So if J- what Jake is saying is if the snap was in Milrow's chest, he one gets to look and see that guards pulling, but two look out left see that the running back has that advantage throw going to toss it out there and then you go make a play, but Alabama loses um, and yeah. got to give credit to Blake Quorum, his jump cuts, dude, that kid can yeah. run the football uh, two plays in their overtime possession. He scampers into the end zone. Michigan gets a huge stop and, you know, they lift the big monkey off their back. That was their third straight college football playoff appearance. They obviously got smoked by Georgia two years ago in the orange bowl, Instant classic barn burner against TCU last year in the Fiesta Bowl that they lost, but they're headed to the national championship. So number one, Michigan knocks off Alabama and Nick Saban after the game, you know, gives a ton of credit to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, gives a ton of credit to his players and says, this is one of the teams that I'm most proud of. Do you agree or disagree with that? Is that coach speak after they lose in the semifinals? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's it's not the the whole truth, but it's not a lie either. You know, I, they faced a, a lot of adversity this year. Uh, the early loss to Texas. Yeah. I mean, shoot, benching your quarterback for the next two weeks, that whole debacle, and uh, to fight your way and win the game in, in, in Auburn, in Jordan-Hare Stadium, in the fashion that they won that game, uh, beat the uh, two-time – national champs um, in the SC championship game and and really fight that one down to the end. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they faced a lot of adversity that year, uh, this year, and um, came up just a tad short. But I, I think with the product they had, they over-exceeded expectations. 100%. 100%. I mean, they almost lost to Auburn. Like, do not forget yeah. that. It took a fourth and 31 miracle. Then, of course, what did they do? They beat Georgia, who hadn't lost in 29 straight games. So I tweeted this out, and I got some amazing reactions, and it wasn't my intention. But I said, as, as I'm watching, first off, the Orange Bowl, I, I said I could tweet out all night and give you hundreds of reasons as to why Georgia should be in the college football playoff. And, and I said, plainly put, they're one of the four best teams, and that's the committee's job is to put the four best teams in. I said, but it really all comes down to just one person. It's Nick Saban. I said, one, the committee fears him. Two, ESPN loves him. But three, and most importantly, he's not afraid of Georgia. He beats Georgia. That's the whole reason why Alabama got in. So the reactions I'm getting are, that's outrageous. Why would the committee fear him? ESPN has nothing to do with it. And I'm tweeting back at people. I'm like, yeah, th- those are those are hypothetical jokes that I'm making. The third point is the most important point. He beats Georgia. If Georgia just would have won the game, then we're looking at Georgia-Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and you're looking at Michigan-Washington in the Rose Bowl. So Georgia didn't take care of business when they needed to. And look, you could make the argument. Should Georgia have been in? People could go, no, they didn't win their conference championship. Okay, okay. But it's just funny because Saban is the GOAT. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And Jim Harbaugh and that Michigan defense really flexed their muscles, and they got a big win. And when I think to myself, Bama doesn't lose close games, they lost the Rose Bowl. So Alabama done. And I would have to make the argument that the highlight of their season was stealing one from Georgia. Yeah. Oh, in the SEC. So, so boy, have the tides turned. 
No pun intended. All right, let's go to the Sugar Bowl, a great one with a crazy ending. Washington 37, Texas 31. The Huskies still undefeated are going to take on Michigan. So you have your number one versus number two teams for the first time since 2019 playing in the college football playoff national championship game. That game, of course, is Monday night, January 8th in Houston. But this was a crazy ending. And Michael Penix Jr., that dude can deal the football downfield. Yeah. Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, Polk, Michael Penix, like like Washington has a really, really sound football team. It was an unbelievable game. It started at 9 p.m. I mean, what is ESPN doing? I fell asleep like three times. Unfortunately, I saw the ending, but dude, that game didn't end until like 1 a.m. What's going on? Oh, it was uh, brutal. Um, yeah, I had to go to bed at halftime. You know, your homeboys got to get up and go to work the next day. Yeah. And had to catch up uh, this morning with uh, the guys in the locker room and uh, watch a few highlights myself. But uh, yeah, man, I, now I, I did the ultimate deal with the Rose Bowl here. So uh, I take my time, like I record the Rose Bowl, like where Correct. it starts. And so I'm doing my deal all day, whatever I need to do. Wife and I go out to eat. Oh, look come at back, you. Pro move. Dude, and I we don't start, I really technically don't start watching that game until like 6:45, 7 o'clock. Yeah, you text me way late and you were like, How was that play reviewable? And I was like, I mean, it was like halftime. Like, what yeah. play are you talking about? Because the first half was pretty crazy. And uh, I make sure I don't check my phone. I know people are texting me, don't look at it. I obviously do not check Twitter. And I catch up to that game and get like the live ending. So I mean, I felt oh, yeah. like I felt like a genius. Um wish I could do that with, with the sugar bowl, but man, that was so late. Um, but yeah, they, they had all day could have definitely moved those games up, but, uh, Washington, man, after watching three whole games from them this year, both Oregon games. And then this game, they're good. They're, man. A, they're a good football team. Yeah. Man. They fly they're around. Play, they're playing with a lot of juice. They got speed. They got physicality and quarterbacks playing at an unbelievable level. And it just seems like every shot play, like they, they're hitting their shots. Like the receivers are going Extremely out and making a play. They can run the ball just good enough uh, to do what they need to do. They play good defense. Uh, never really feel like Texas got in a rhythm uh, in the game, play calling wise. And uh, Washington had a great third down plan for Texas. Now, Texas was always had third and long for some reason in the uh, first half, couldn't get anything going on first and second down. And they would, they would show Texas cover zero. And so quarterback obviously seeing it, and he would have to get to a quick cover zero answer, as in just, hey, throw the ball out wide in the flat, receiver screen here. And they're, they're bluffing out of there and going back to play zone coverage, but they just rally and make the tackle. Oh, sure, yeah. Hey, third and nine. Now it's fourth and five. Punt it and get it back to us. So, yeah, Texas being unable to stay on schedule on first and second down bit them a little bit in the first half. Obviously, they rallied back in the second half and got some stuff going. But uh, I love Washington's plan. Love yeah. the way they play, and I, I think they're a dangerous, dangerous no team question, dude. to win the uh, the championship this year. And how about that for the Pac-12? I know on the way out. On the way out to get a national champion, have the opportunity to get a national champion is, is pretty sweet and pretty cool to me. 
Yeah, it should be a great matchup, kind of best on best. I mean, Michigan's defense, one of the tops in the nation all year long. Going into that orange, I mean, Rose Bowl, excuse me, after what the Big Ten had been doing in their bowl games, you're sitting there going, I don't know, this could be a yeah. bad showing. But Michigan really stepped up. And then when you look at how Washington attacks on offense, it should be a great matchup. I'm looking at it now. The line is out. Michigan's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. That's too many points. That's too many points. This is going to be a close game. So I'll take the points just right now. We'll obviously break down that matchup on Thursday's episode of Punt and Pass. But Texas fights back. They're down 10 late. Uh, they kick a field goal to go down by six. Sorry, seven. They kick. They were down 37, whatever. They kicked a field goal late. Now they're down by six. They must have been down by nine. Excuse me. That's my Georgia math degree showing up there. And then they get the ball back because what was crazy, I don't know if you saw this play, Jake, Washington's trying to run the clock down late, yes. less than a minute, and their running back gets injured. Drag him off the field. I know. Man. So they you had to stop the clock, and then they punt, and then there's a fair catch kick interference on the punt return. So that's a 10-yard penalty. All of a sudden, Texas is like, all right, we have a chance to move the ball down the field. A couple of deep shots. Quinn Ewers, a great thrower of the long ball. A couple of amazing toe-tap catches along the sideline. And you look up, and Texas is right there with a shot to the end zone with five seconds left. So what does Washington's defense do? Five seconds left, third down. They bring the house. They almost sat Quinn Ewers. He throws it out of bounds. One second left, fourth down. They get a playoff. He chucks it into the end zone. No bueno. So Washington wins um, in, in a huge game. I kept hearing, and we talked about it, Texas's defense is underrated. Fourth-ranked rushing defense in the country. Um, didn't matter. Washington, huge winner. And I think Kalen DeBoer is a great coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I've just been so impressed with Washington, man. I just, I'm, I'm loving the way they play. They're playing with a lot of swagger right now. And just doesn't matter who you throw in front of them as an opponent, they don't care because we're going to go out, we're going to ball, uh, and we're going to do us. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game because I, I think, yeah. I think they can throw it around the house, just throw it around the park on Michigan and complete balls. And before you know it, man, they've taken three different shots, and now it's it's twenty one to three. So for to me, with the lack of of ah, this may sound a tad bit harsh, but for the lack of quarter quarterback play we got in the first game, we they definitely made up for it in the second game. Hundred percent. And Michael Penix Jr. Like, hey man, we got to watch some good quarterbacks go at it, throw it on the throw it on the yard, and make some some crazy plays. So that was uh, fun to watch. And uh, both of these games were really good games. Like you can't. I, I'm I'm torn between you know the community get it wrong. I, I definitely believe Georgia should be in there. But it's gonna it's a hard it's a harder argument now because of the the good games that we got. Yeah. Right. No, I, I totally agree. It just they both came down to the wire. Basically, whoever had the ball in their hands last, and both times the defenses stepped up and made a play. So, just some good things from these games. Fun to watch. Um, definitely had us on our toes for sure. No question about it. 
wrap it up. I got a couple of good stats for me. Uh, and Chris Marler, our buddy at Vern Funquist on Twitter, Saturday down South tweeted these out in the first eight years of the college football playoff era. The average margin of victory in the semifinal games was 21 points per game yep. in the last two years. It's five points per game with all four games being decided by seven points or less and three of the four coming down to the final play of the game. So just as it's starting to work out, we're expanding to 12 teams. The other stat, the SEC finished this season with four teams having 11-plus wins. That's only happened five times in the history of college football. Oh, yeah, and all five times were by the SEC, including 2012 when they finished with five teams with 11-plus wins. So, oh. Pretty fascinating. Pretty that's fascinating. Cool. I think we're set up with a great national championship game. Um, again, that's Monday night, so we'll preview that later on this week. It was fun, man. And now, you know, people are back to work. The emails are popping off this morning. Jake, you guys got one more game, week 18 coming up, hosting the Dallas Cowboys as a 425 p.m. kick. Jake will be suited up on the sideline in those skinny ones for the Washington Commanders. So uh back to reality for Mr. and Mrs. From, right? Man, we're we're back at it, back on the grind. Um, just can uh can see can see you know past the this this weekend and on to the off season so we're we're looking forward to uh to the baby on the way and uh ready for another off season but uh gotta uh, lock in and enjoy these uh this last week so absolutely excited. lock in lock in and you the listener should lock in as well go visit the Solomon brothers yeah i know you probably got some gifts for christmas or the holidays maybe you got some money Money is always the best gift. If you have that money burning a hole in your pocket and you'd like to treat yourself to something nice or somebody who you care deeply about to something nice, go to Solomon Brothers Jewelers. Three awesome locations. One's in Alpharetta, just past the Avalon. The other is in Buckhead, 17th Floor Tower Place, and a brand new location in Peachtree City. Family owned and operated since 1982. I'm telling you right now, they have the biggest selection, the best quality, the lowest prices, and the in-store experience is what sends it all way over the top. They have custom jewelry designs, lifetime diamond upgrades, and they offer interest-free financing options. The store is for anyone with any budget. Mention Punt and Pass or myself and Jake. You can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. Check them out on social media at Solomon Brothers solomonbrothers.com check us out on social media at punt and pass on twitter and instagram i'm at drew butler he's at from jake punt and pass.com jake anything on the way out my man oh man one more college football game i know Golly. left this year man where does the time go but uh looking forward to it gonna be a great matchup look forward to seeing you guys on thursday yes sir everybody have a great week happy new year happy 2024 and we will talk to you on thursday see you yep in today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. 
The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.